What's up, Let's world? Go. What do you do when <laughs> devastation invades? If you know the truth, it'll make you free. How do you move on? And whom the sun sets free, day, your life is free indeed. 24 hours, everything has drastically changed. As difficult as it may be, we must if evaluate what is lost and what is lost. Trapped in the bondage of what you used to Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's Pastor Free, and listen, I'm mega excited that you're locked in to another Free Indeed Friday. Please be sure to share with your friends and your family. Get them logged onto the podcast, and all y'all gonna fool around and get a blessing. Listen, there's a word designed for you that very well might set you free. Let's laugh a little while. And if you can't laugh at yourself, at least you can laugh at the preacher. This one is called an offering. (laughs) The Baptist preacher just finished his sermon for the day and proceeded toward the back of the church for his usual greetings and handshaking uh, with the congregation. After shaking a few adult hands, he came upon the seven-year-old son of one of the deacons of the church. Good morning, Jonathan, the preacher said as he reached out to shake Jonathan's hand. As he was doing it, he felt something in the palm of Jonathan's hand. What's this? The preacher asked. Money, said Jonathan with a big smile on his face. And it's for you. I don't want to take your money, Jonathan, the preacher answered. I want you to have it, said Jonathan. After a short pause, Jonathan continued, My daddy says you're the poorest preacher we've ever had, and I really want to help you. (laughs) Get it? He's a poor preacher like he he doesn't preach well. Deacon been talking about the past at home. Anyway, whatever. Your boy don't just preach. He's sick with the pen. Give him a mic and he'll go in. So I'm about to give you some of this free time music. But in the words of Erica Badu, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my stuff. <laughs> Come on, won't you follow me? Hey. Yeah. Woo. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple. Uh must deny themselves take up your cross and follow me let go
it up right here. Just leave your nets behind. You can leave your mess behind. Just trust me, you'll be fine. If you follow, follow me. Chapter 1, Wanted While Mending My Net. To truly understand God's desire for me and his purpose for my life, it took a revelation concerning his call for the disciples. I'll never forget preparing a sermon at my previous assignment as a youth and young adult pastor while knowing what God was calling me to do in organizing a church. He had drawn my attention to Luke chapter 5, where Jesus finds Simon Peter, James, and John fishing, or shall I say recovering from a day of failed fishing attempts. He comes to them while they are washing their nets. Luke chapter 5, verse 2. These men were experienced and professional fishermen when Jesus invaded their lives. They lived through some days of success and days of failure, but they were comfortable in their skill set and had made a life for themselves on the water catching fish. I believe it's worth noting that he comes to them on the heels of a failure. The men, according to Simon, had been on the water for some time and caught absolutely nothing. They've wasted time, exhausted energy, and yet have to deal with the reality of their failure. Friend, the truth for many of us is that we have experienced failure after failure. We have gone to war and come back defeated. We've applied to jobs and been turned down. We've put effort and money into planning, attending conferences, and developing networks only to find ourselves stuck in the same mediocrity as this time five years ago. So when the Lord comes to pronounce our destiny, we have already admitted defeat and accepted failure. We've determined that there is no hope and are preparing to put our nets away at least for now, right before that happens, he comes to redefine life as you know it. In that same chapter, he teaches them, challenges their faith to launch out into the deep, blesses them with a miraculous catch, and then it happens. He calls them. He tells them in Luke chapter 5, verse 10b, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. He uses an image of fishing because that is what they were familiar with. But he also suggests that he wanted to use what they already knew and who they already were 
for his kingdom. He knew their skill and ability. He knew their character and strengths, and yet he handpicked them for his team. They hadn't been organizers, evangelists, teachers, or even leaders before, yet he wanted them. In the same way, God showed me that in spite of my inexperience as a pastor, father, husband, leader, etc., he wanted me. And not only did he want me, but he also wanted me to be me. The skills, talents, strengths, weaknesses, thoughts, and passions that were unique to Deshard Freeman were useful to building his kingdom. He wanted to take the things that were specific to me and use them to reach an audience that others who were not me could never reach. In a very real sense, he called them from fishing on that sea, but he also called them for fishing on that sea. <laughs> Their tactical experience and connections in that community would all be useful in their new assignment. In the same way, we should all know that God is very aware of who and where we are. He wants us to use the true people we are for his glory. So, although some things must be left behind when we make a commitment to follow him, things like the boat, the net, the familiar family and friends. He wants us to bring something with us into our walk with him. Our talents, influence, unique qualities, experiences, and passion, etc. Because for these things, he has called me. If he wanted a politician, he would have chosen one. If he wanted a king, he would have chosen one. But he chooses who he wants, not what the world thinks is right. Free rant. This revelation was so liberating to me because I grew up in a very traditional Baptist church setting. Both churches I'd ever been a part of were steeped in tradition. The second, less than the first, but both uh, traditional still. So I was being conditioned to dress, talk, and act a certain way. I was constantly learning that to be successful in ministry, I needed to play by the established rules in place. The problem was these things didn't seem natural to me. It felt like I had to become something other than myself to win. As a result, I had started to hate myself and wondered if God hated me too. See, I was losing sight of the foundational principle. God loves me. He loves me the way I am and was calling me for what I am. Still, at that time, I didn't understand this. Thought to be used or blessed by God, it would require me to wear dark suits daily, pack a briefcase. And remember, I'm only a kid at the time. Quote scriptures all day and speak in King James vernacular on a regular basis. Still, at times, symptoms of Deshard would seep out and perhaps seem like rebellion or resistance to the religious norm. This was all because I was dying inside, trying my best to fit the mold created for me so that God could use me and bless me. As I look back now, even if that guy would have gone on to success in my jaded sense of the word, I still wouldn't have any peace or joy because that guy was not me. He would have been known, maybe wealthy, desired and respected and I would still be hidden, lost, confused, and so on. However, I now know God never called me to mirror or conform to the images that I saw around me. 
This is in no way a disrespect to them because they are a huge part of who I am and why I am. But God called me to be me. He enlisted me for my unique qualities and characteristics that he desires to use to draw a completely different audience. And if I conform to the image of others, the audience that needs my voice, skill, creativity, swagger and presentation to see God will remain lost. Take the time to do some me valuation. Number one. What failure and falls of your past have shaped you into who you are today? Number two, reflect on your call experience. When was it? Where was it? How did it happen? What were you called to do and who were you called to? Number three. What failures have you accepted? What dreams have you forfeited and why? Number four, how is God trying to redefine your life? How is he telling you to launch out into the deep? And number five. What fears, deficiencies and traditions are keeping you from launching out? Now, in chapter one, uh, you based, in the beginning, you based a lot of it on uh, Luke uh, five and two. Um, I wanted to ask specifically about this particular passage here. And you said they li- they lived through some days of success and days of failure, but they were comfortable in their skill set and made a life for themselves on the water catching fish. Watch this. I believe it is worth noting that he comes to them on the heels of a failure. Expound on that. I mean, to be really, really honest, that, that was kind of, I was preparing a message, like I said, in the chapter, uh, upon my departure of my previous assignment. I was dealing with that particular text and it just kind of stuck out to me how God is so gracious in his call that he usually calls us when we think we're not worthy or when we feel we're not worthy, which we, we never are. But a lot of times failures magnify that or perceived failures. I believe that sometimes our failures are really setups, right? Um, if God didn't allow us to be broken or to fail, sometimes we'd be too lofty to hear him or respond, right? So he catches us in those times where we are vulnerable to him, sensitive to him, have no other recourse or choice. Um, And he redeems us in spite of the fact that we have failed or we feel inadequate. He says, but I've got purpose for you. And I just think that's so important that they had literally failed in fishing, something that they were proficient in, that they were very experienced in. And then he comes and gives them new purpose, new assignment, resurrected destiny after they have failed. And more times than not, our failures are much larger than a night of not catching fish, right? Failed marriage, failed career, child out of wedlock. Right. These things that put us in a place in the public eye of shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And then God says, well, I'll use that. Hmm. Interesting. So what's failure look like for you? Oh, my. Again, I would say... I. 
I kind of grew up feeling like a failure. But were you really though? No. But I don't. So what's failure look like for you? I don't know because right now I still feel like a failure, but not in the sense that probably most people would. Like to me, failure is if I have a goal or I have a vision for myself or my life and I'm not there I have failed to accomplish that now I'm still a work in progress um, but I'd say now I'm failing at something right some days I'm failing as a husband some days I'm failing as a father some days I'm failing as a pastor um, my ministry took a, a strong shift because of moral failure right when my wife and I got pregnant before we were married. So to the world, that was a moral failure. But I completely understand that I wouldn't be pastor-free and ALC wouldn't exist without that moment. And I think that's the point of it, that God redeems whatever our failures are. So I could, I could list a million failures that I've had, but God has been pretty consistent in flipping them, hmm. using them for his glory. So, yeah. Excellent. I must admit that um, you need another hug. You. <laughs> I must admit that I didn't expect you to be so transparent. I feel like the book is transparent. Yeah, it is very transparent. And so I feel like us sitting here. Well, that's what I mean. Oh, okay. in the, as far as the book is concerned. Yeah. Uh, you, you bled a little bit. So I respect that. I respect anybody who can bleed in their ministry and in their art. It says here that, in the same way, God showed me that in spite of my inexperience as a pastor, father, husband, leader, etc., he wanted me. And not only did he want me, but he also wanted me to be me. The skills, talents, strengths, weaknesses, thoughts, and passions that were unique to Deshard Freeman were useful to building his kingdom. This is when you start really painting the picture of God wanting you for you, right? Mm -hmm. When did this happen? Are you saying that this moment happened while you were in the midst of preparing the sermon? That you just now realized when you were in your previous assignment that I can just be me and God can still use me. He wants me because I am me. I think it's been a progress. Because you were in ministry. Excuse mm -hmm. me. You were already in ministry. You were already working, uh, faithful. Passionate about what you were doing, but at this moment, you're saying you realize that wait a minute, God will use me just for me. I think it has been a progressive revelation. I think as a teenage boy, I started to understand I may be different, but that's okay, and God loves me regardless. I think by the time I'm a grown man who's married with a child and the vision of planning of ministry, I'm grappling with what does that ministry look like, right? And, and whatever I'm hearing God say, I'm saying, but these people won't like that. So then there's a whole nother. Was that a conversation you were having in your mind? Yeah. And, and on paper. And on paper. Like, I, I wish I, you know, technology changes, but I, I still can remember notes that I had handwritten and then scratched through. 
sitting in a seminary classroom and then stuff I remember typing things out that I would just kind of trash because no that won't fly especially in Austin right there were some things that I believe I was seeing in Houston and Dallas and I was just like that would never work in Austin because it's such a traditional church town so I was starting to kind of deal with this idea where whatever God was showing me was different and it will probably come with some criticism. So then it's like, well, do you obey what you know God is saying or what people will say about you doing what God is saying? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. It's been a progressive struggle, right? <clears throat> it's something you still struggle with now? Yes, in a very interesting way. Because prior to launching ALC and for the first couple of years, I spent so much time getting comfortable with the rebellious me that there's a part of me that's a really churchy person. No. And, and I'm struggling to get back to that. Like you to embrace that. that, really. Real talk. I'm I'm struggling because there's a part of me that misses that. Misses it? Mm-hmm. I don't think it really left you though. Maybe not, but but definitely took a back seat. Really? Absolutely. Intentionally? Uh yes. Because I was fishing for non-church people like that, and that was my that was the only thing I could see in my mind I was about to build a church full of people who didn't know anything about Jesus at all <laughs> and then one day people started coming that had come from other churches and you see what I'm saying so now I can't not just I can't not pastor them because they weren't a, a part of the original target right. but then with them coming it, it kind of relit my church passion and history mm-hmm. right and I think I would venture to say that in our contemporary society a lot of church planters and progressive pastors and leaders have have done a lot to discredit and disrespect the traditions of the church and that was never my intention and my and my quest to be me and I believe I did a, a decent job trying to explain it. In my quest to be me, there I don't have to diminish or degrade something else. No, I think you did a very because, good job. At because it's different. Give her props where yeah. props are due. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, I like this. You said. This is a quotable right here. I might get this tattooed on my back or something. Wow. He called them. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple Ooh. of them in here. He's going to have me inked up. Boy. <laughs> he called them from fishing on that sea, but he also called them for fishing on that sea. Elaborate on that. I, I just think that we're uh, some total of our life experiences. And that nothing is a coincidence. Nothing is a coincidence. I, I really believe in the providence of God. I believe that there's not a mistake that I can make that catches him off guard. And the destiny that he speaks over each person, he speaks that destiny with full knowledge of every mistake that you'll make. Right. And so I think that just as we are called from a life of sin. We're also called for a life of sin. I think that there is nobody who can reach a drug addict like a former drug addict. 
I really believe that. So at that point, I'm called out of addiction, but then I'm also called because of my addiction, because I can speak a language that a person who has never had that experience can speak. And I think that applies across the board. I think that, and I've had this blessing, this experience, that parents will bring their kids to me that are struggling with cause, and some of them are sons of the ministry, some of them are yeah, I get a chance to mentor from a distance if they're members of other churches. But but nobody can speak to what it's like to be a boy preacher grappling with a grappling with a call, trying to get through school. On Free Indeed Fridays, I try to expose you to some dope music that maybe you've never heard before. In the words of Eric Bellinger, this gonna be your favorite song. <laughs>
the free and I need to drop something in your ear. Don't be afraid to try. The comedian and talk show host Steve Harvey had a YouTube clip where he encouraged people to jump. Steve explained jumping as taking a risk or going after your dreams. The truth is many people never accomplish the desires of their heart or God's will for their lives because they are afraid to try. Fear has a paralyzing effect that keeps you from moving forward and confines you to a place of mediocrity. Nothing great ever happened without someone mustering up enough courage to try. If the Waltons wouldn't have tried, there would be no Walmart. Oh my God. If Henry Ford didn't try, there would be no Taurus or Focus. <laughs> my mama used to drive a Ford Tempo. If T.D. Jakes wouldn't have tried, there would be no Potter's House, Woman Thou Art Loose Conferences, Megafest, or a T.D. Jakes show. If Oprah wouldn't have tried, there would be no own network and she wouldn't have solidified status as one of the most successful African-American women in history. If Barack Obama wouldn't have tried, he would not have been the president of these United States. Friends, my point is we cannot afford to miss out on greatness because we're afraid to try, especially when God has given you a clear word or vision about something. Who who cares if they laugh? Who cares if you face opposition? Who cares if people don't believe in you or support you? Who even cares if you fail? You will have the consolation of knowing you are doing what most people won't even do, and that's try. I love that familiar Bible story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, where the little shepherd David comes down to meet his brothers and encounters the Philistinian giant named Goliath. David is confused because the Hebrew army is allowing the giant to disrespect God and they aren't doing anything about it. David understands that he is relatively small and that the giant is a skilled warrior, but he just has to try. David is willing to risk his life and all to try and defeat the giant before him. He believes that if he tries, God will do the rest. Just like David, many of us see ourselves in front of impossible things. 
Our giants may vary, but they are giants just the same. However, I command you by the power of the Holy Ghost to try. Believe God and give your very best effort and watch him blow your mind. You'll never know until you try. Your idea, vision, or creation may be the next best thing. Be a blessing. Become successful. Make a couple million. Change the world. But none of that can happen if you don't try. Hey family, I'm super excited because we're working on a new project that we'll release on Palm Sunday. A hip hopera called Do G's Get to Go to Heaven? I'm retelling the gospel through the contemporary eyes of the repentant thief Dismas that died on the cross next to Jesus. Help me spread the word and get prepared to see something that's going to bless your life. I know, I know, it's so hard to say goodbye. Anyway, listen, this is the conclusion of our time together. I pray that you've been tremendously blessed, and I speak an abundance of favor over your weekend. Don't forget to tune back in to our Free Indeed Friday next week. Remember, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Till next time, live life abundantly. Listen, friends, if you've been blessed by this podcast, you need to make your way over to our website, www.freetheletterindeedministries.com. On our site, you can find everything from movies to live recordings and studio records. Uh, also, my first book, God Wants Me. You can follow us on all social media outlets. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Our handle is at free, the letter N, deed, M-I-N. Please believe we got some amazing things in store and you don't want to miss one moment of it. So go ahead and follow us. Like do it like right now. Like go check it out. Like 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 right now. Right now. Change my whole